Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, we take the second half of the show to take your questions. The way you send in those questions is by anytime you want, 24-7, going down into the description of this video, and you'll see a tip link. Just click on it there, or you can enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your question read on a show or a companion video if, of course, we deem your question appropriate to be used on our shows, and, of course, you're supporting our channel at the same time. So that's what we do the second half of our shows. However, we normally don't have enough time to get around all the questions that get sent in. But if you sent in those questions and you supported the show, I want to make sure we get to those questions as fast as we can. So we gather them up, we address them here on companion videos. And that's what we're going to do right now. So let's not waste any time and jump right over to it, shall we? And we're going to start getting caught up with a question from Rick Squire, who writes, John, have you seen the documentary Class Action Park about the most dangerous theme park in U.S. history? I love this documentary. Christian Harloff had a great interview with the filmmaker. Christian mentioned that he used to frequent the park. Yeah, I remember Christian was telling me he used to go to this park, as a matter of fact. Um, I have still myself never seen it, though. I've heard great things about it. I know Christian told me it was really good. So one of these times I'm going to have to sit down because I'm a sucker for these types of documentaries. So I really should, down, should, should, let me try this again. I really should sit down and watch it at one of these points. All right, next up, we've got Dr. Nova who writes, I was talking to my friends about Marvel fans saying that critics were paid off to bash Eternals. They're all DC fans, and they said that while DC and Marvel fans are butthurt, but no one is worse than Star Wars fans, how can fandoms improve their image? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. Well, I, I think the first step in trying to improve fandom's image is just for fandom to stop acting like entitled little babies. And, and let's say, when I say fandom, I don't mean them or them or them. I mean all of us as fans. We've all been guilty of it. People in fandoms have all been guilty at one point of or another, present company included, of acting like entitled brats. We've been talking a lot on the show lately about how you will never find a more self-entitled group of people than fans, than fandoms. They are the most entitled group of people you will ever meet. And that really expresses itself a lot when we start making excuses. You've heard me talk about this. Making excuses for why other people don't feel the same way about something as we do. Critic didn't like a movie we like, they got paid to bash on it. A critic liked a movie we didn't like, they got paid to say it was good. A fan likes something that we don't like, oh, they're just stupid, they just didn't understand it. Like, we never just go to, oh, they like something I didn't like, I guess they liked it, okay, well, it didn't work for me, but it worked for them. But we have this entitlement, and when we have this entitlement, we believe our opinion is the be-all and end-all of everything, and if somebody else disagrees with our opinion, the only possible explanation is some secondary motive. They must have been paid off. They must have an existing bias. They must not be smart enough to understand it. You know, whatever. And that's what we as fandoms do. The first step fandom needs to do to correct its image problem, because it's getting a really bad image problem, is, and we've earned it. We as a fandom have earned the bad image we have right now. The first step is stop making excuses when other people don't share the same opinion we have. That's, that's the first step. Bunch of critics liked a movie that you didn't like. It must be just because they liked it. Critics didn't like a movie you did like. It must just be because they didn't like it. It didn't work for them. You know, that's the first step. And until that happens, we're never going to, we're never going to, what's the word I'm looking for? We're never going to rehab our image. We're never going to rehab our image as a fandom until we stop making excuses 
for why other people don't share the same opinions we do. That's and and the bottom line too is too many fandoms define themselves by what we hate. Right? This goes back to the Marvel versus DC days a few years ago where if you were a Marvel fan, you weren't defined by your love of the Marvel films. You defined yourself by the fact that you hate DC films. And if you were a DC fan at that time, you didn't define yourself by the things you love. You didn't define yourself by the fact that, oh man, we love Man of Steel. Man, we love Wonder Woman. Whatever. They define themselves by, if you're going to be a DC fan, you have to hate Marvel. We got to define ourselves by what we hate. That's another big thing. So stop making excuses for other people having different opinions than ours and just accept that they liked or didn't like something in the opposite way that we did. And the other thing is stop defining your fandom by hating some other fandom. That's not a healthy way to do it. Until we do that, we're never going to rehab the uh, the fandom image, unfortunately. All right. Great question, man. Thanks for writing that in. All right. Next up, we've got uh, Ordinary Human Bartender. Jackie Daytona writes in, Keanu Reeves said that he will play John Wick as long as he can. At what point do we get fatigued if if most of the films are good? I don't have MCU or James Bond fatigue with over 20 films each. Is John Wick lightning in a bottle or is it just me? Thanks and bring on the filthy. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in. And listen, I don't believe in fatigue. I do believe in oversaturation. I do believe in something running out of steam, but I don't believe in fatigue. Like, for instance, Flash has run, I don't know, what's it on? It's seventh or eighth season now. That's a show that ran out of steam. I don't think it's that we got fatigued of Flash. I think just Flash stopped being as good as it was at some point, and it's just run out of steam. But then you look at a show like Supernatural, which ran twice as long as Flash. I think it did 15 seasons, 15 or 16. I can't remember exactly. But they just kept being engaging every year, and they decided to end it when they decided to end it. It wasn't fatigue. See, I don't believe in fatigue because let's take a show like Breaking Bad. You got eight episodes of that every year. In three years, you got like 24 episodes of it. And I can't remember the exact count of each season, but let's say roughly eight episodes. In three years, you got 24 episodes of Breaking Bad. 24 times in those three years, you sat down to watch a roughly hour-long Breaking Bad story. Did we get fatigue because there was 24 episodes in three years? No, because it maintained a level of excellence. If John Wick, I mean, John Wick can have what? One movie every two or three years, but we'll watch, I don't know, what's a great show right now? Uh, Yellowstone. I, 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 to me, I think that might be the best show on TV right now, but we'll watch eight, nine episodes of that a year. One episode of John Wick every two to three years eight episodes of Yellowstone or Succession or something else along those lines, right? I don't believe in fatigue. If something stays good, people will keep watching it. There are a dozen NFL games every Sunday. People don't get fatigued of watching football. As long as football remains as entertaining as it is, we keep watching it because it keeps being good. We enjoy it if you're a football fan, right? So yeah, as long as the John Wick films keep being good and it doesn't run out of gas, I don't think people will get fatigued of it. That's just me, though. It's just my thoughts on that. Thanks for that ordinary human bartender. All right, next up. Ryan G writes, Hey, John and crew. I watched Tick, Tick, Boom on Friday, November 19th, and the movie is really good, and the songs are so good. If you haven't, you should check out the movie, John and crew. Well, I did review it. It's up on, the review is up on the channel. I really enjoyed Tick, Tick, Boom. 
Now, I didn't love the music in it, to be honest with you. Like, unlike Greatest Showman or Hamilton or Les Mis, I'm not going to get in the car and pop on the music to Tick, Tick, Boom, to be honest with you. But it's a beautifully directed, heartfelt human story that, and Andrew Garfield is sick, talented. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot, and I'm glad you did too. All right, next up, we've got Ryan G who writes, Hey, John and crew. I finished the first season of Sons of Anarchy and the show is really good. Well, listen, Ryan, brother, I'm glad you're watching it. It is in my top three, I believe personally, just for me, Sons of Anarchy is in the top three of the greatest television shows of all time. I think Sons of Anarchy is a top three greatest show of all time. A biker version of Hamlet. Um, I love everything about that show, the characters, the intrigue, the drama, there's just something about it that is infinitely watchable. I had one season that was uh, that that was struggled a little bit, but overall, I just loved it. Love the finale, the whole bit. I'm glad you're enjoying it, Ryan. All right, next up, Ice Fisher uh, Tenacity writes, "Hey John, I'd love your opinions on is ego shiny brain a celestial seed." that never found a host planet. Does the ebony blade give you, well, you're asking multiple questions. Let's, let's pick one here. Does the ebony blade give you a symbiote symbiote vibe? If Kevin Feige appears in a grand scene as the one above all, which would you want to talk to? Okay, let's go with the ebony blade one. Yes. The ebony blade scene in Eternals totally gives me like a venom symbiote vibe. It really does. Like in that scene, and let's face it, if you haven't watched Eternals at this point, you're probably not all that interested in Eternals. So that one scene as he's reaching for the blade, it looks like the blade is kind of reaching back out for him, right? Which I thought was a beautiful visual representation of it. And yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Ice Fisher. I totally gives me uh, Venom symbiote vibes. It absolutely does. All right, next up. Ice Fisher, uh, Tenacity also writes, Hey, John, I'm a huge fan of both Marvel and the new Planet of the Apes films. Nice. After watching Eternals, I think the talented uh, uh, Lauren Ridloff, who I think is the girl who played Makari, um, yeah, Makari, uh, would be a spectacular human lead in the next pot, uh, Planet of the Apes. Apes and humans signing together your thoughts. Um, nah. I mean, don't get me wrong. She's super talented. If they put her in it, great. But I don't, do you don't base a movie around what actor you're putting into it. You you start planning a movie with your story. That's the number one thing. And then once you've got your story and your characters and all that kind of stuff, then you find actors that would be good fits for those characters within that story. You don't start with, wow, that girl who played Macari's great. Let's put her in a Planet of the Apes movie and let's just build a story around her being the star of Planet of the Apes. You know what I'm saying? See, that's what most fans do. Most fans, we start, we go completely ass backwards on it. We start with, oh man, I don't know. Let me, John Hamm should play Superman. Well, then you're doing it backwards. What you do is you you start with your story. Story comes first. And then you write your character and you give your character personality and life and a soul and do all that kind of stuff. And then once you've got that, then you find an actor that would best suit that character. You don't pick an actor and then build a character around the actor. At least that's my impression of it. Now, I loved her as Makari in Eternals, and I'll look very much forward to seeing her whenever she's in next. But no, you don't you don't plan a movie around that. Not not in my opinion, at least anyway. But yeah, man, she was great in that. I really, really liked her. She brought so much charm to that movie. All right, next up, Jack Lumbers writes, 
Do you think the foster parents will know the secret by the end of Shazam 2? Yes. By the way, how great are the foster parents in Shazam? It's it's not just the parents. It's the family that they create. Like, I look at those two people, uh, the parents, the, the foster parents in Shazam, that couple, and I see the most goodness in any comic book movie that those are heroes. Like when I want, when I think of Shazam, who's the hero of Shazam? I think those two foster parents, they're the heroes of the movie. In my opinion, Shazam is obviously a hero in the movie, but to me, those parents are the heroes of the movie. They are the two people filled with the most goodness. I love those people. It's those people in real life that are the best people. So I love them. But yes, I think there's a very, very good chance that by the end of the second film, they'll know the secret of the kids. I mean, it's one thing for one of the kids to hide that kind of a secret. It would be different for all their kids to hide that secret. So I think they do, Jack. I think they do. All right. Jack Lumbers also writes, now that Lucifer is over and Elijah seems to be staying dead, Elijah is a character from uh, the originals, the vampire show, the originals. Uh, who is your favorite character in a still running show? Yeah, Lucifer has been my favorite character on TV for a couple of years now. Before that, although originals was never my favorite show, the character of Elijah in originals was probably my favorite character for a beat. Then you had Appa, Mr. Kim. Um, in, um, in Kim's convenience, he was my favorite actor or favorite character on TV, but that show is no longer running. Unfortunately, right now I would probably say rip in Yellowstone. I think rip in Yellowstone is probably my favorite character on TV right now. That, that is just an awesome, well-written multidimensional character with a hard and a soft side. Like it's just though he's like the ultimate hard ass man but at the same time he is wrapped around her finger you know what i mean it's just it's a wonderful multi-dimensional character i love the rip character all right next up jack lumbers also writes one of two regarding no way home by yesterday's news i mean for certain people if the three spider-men was confirmed too early by the time the movie tickets go on sale a news or multiple news cycle has passed and they may be less inclined to buy a ticket this is especially true when the news first leaked last year, but at this point, it's just two weeks. If Sony really wants to be maximum tickets, they will they will make the image of three Spider-Men tangible through a trailer on the 29th, or uh, to get all the tickets. You know, listen to a degree. I don't I don't believe by introducing something exciting, you wait too long. Now, again, I don't think movies should be marketing themselves. Any movie should be marketing any part of themselves a year in advance. There's no point. It used to be not long ago that a lot of movies would start running their trailers like a year before the movie would come out or 10 months before a movie would come out. And we get to seven months before a movie and people are going, where's the trailer? What's wrong? Why isn't the trailer here yet? And it's like now the movie industry has gotten smarter about it. They realize they're just blowing their load and wasting marketing money by releasing trailers too early. They've been releasing trailers closer and closer and closer to the release date. And I think that's a good trend. And yeah, I look... Again, I have no proof of this, but I believe on Monday, that's November 29th, the day tickets go on sale, there will be a third Spider-Man trailer. And I believe that if Toby and Andrew are in this movie, that is when we'll get our first glimpse of them. I don't know that. I'm just guessing, but that is my guess. All right, next up. Uh, Jack Lumbers also writes, 
Regarding Death on the Nile, the movie wouldn't be the first to be inde uh, indefinitely shelved after an actor's actions. In 2017, I Love You, Daddy was shelved because of Louis C.K. That's that's actually a good example because of Louis C.K. As of this day, it hasn't been officially released. Is that true, Hall Second? Let me look that up for a second. Yeah, man, you're right. I just I just checked and it's not available anywhere. Now, that movie also had like Rose Byrne, Charlie Day, Chloe Grace Moretz, Hit Girl. It had a really good cast and that was set to come out just before the whole Louis C.K. scandal that effectively killed the movie. And that's a really good example. I haven't even thought about that one. That was a really good one to bring up, Jack. All right, next up, Dude Meister writes, with the relative success of the psych movies, they've made three going to make four more. Uh, and since Levi has been pushing for years, would you be in favor of a Chuck movie being made uh, for either HBO Max or Peacock? Not sure who has the rights. Oh yeah, listen, I love Chuck. I love Chuck. I, I would totally love to revisit with those characters again. Um, now, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Adam Baldwin. I remember there was some controversial stuff going on with Adam Baldwin, so I don't know if you can get him back. And he was kind of an important part of that show too. But I mean, y Yvonne Strahovski, she's super like busy right now. She's also, she's got one of the best shows on TV right now in Handmaid's Tale. So that's still going for her. Obviously Levi's doing Shazam. So I don't know if you can get them back to do another one, but yeah, I would just love to hang out with those characters again. So if they ever wanted to make a Chuck, you know, follow-up sequel movie to the TV show, personally, I don't think it'll ever happen, but I'd totally be down for it if it does. I would love it if they did. All right, next up. Storm and Norman writes, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife exceeded my expectations. A very enjoyable mix of nostalgia and newness that satisfied me as an old fan and won over my children. Very entertaining, 80s old school adventure, movie type of feel. Uh, wish we got this movie back in 2016. Yeah, listen, I as for all the crap that the 2016 movie got, and it definitely had its major problems. And I'm not going to sit here and say the 2016 one was a good film, but I didn't think it was nearly as bad. I, I think it became the popular cool thing to pile on the 2016 Ghostbusters. Cause I, I remember I watched it with John Schnepp. We both went to go see it. And we both came out, you know, that wasn't great, but it wasn't all that bad. And that was both of our general attitudes came out. I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't all that bad. There were some, certainly some really bad things in it, but there were some laughs in it too. I, anyway, that's just me. I just feel like it got unnecessarily gang-piled on because it's not a good film, but I think it was near the train wreck that some people made it out to be. That said, this movie is infinitely better. This is a charming, fun, and you're right. It didn't over-rely on nostalgia. Like, one of the problems with the 2016 movie was I felt like every other scene was, look, everybody, remember that from the original Ghostbusters movie? Ooh, look at that prop in the side there. Do you remember that from the original Ghostbusters? Like, every single freaking scene was like homage to the original. And at some point, that just becomes baity fan service. And that, that doesn't have any real weight to it. And whereas this one, I felt like you're right, Storm and Norman. I felt like it was the right balance of nostalgia with the newness. It was true to the story of Ghostbusters, but also brought a freshness to it at the same time. It was charming. It was funny. I really had a good time with this movie, and I'm glad you did too. All right, next up. Um, and like that, he's gone, writes. 
Hello, John from Down Under. First time writing in. Well, thank you for writing in. Big fan since the AMC days. Uh, Just curious, having watched the new Spidey trailer a few times, why isn't anybody talking about the return of James Franco's new Goblin at two seconds into it? Is it just me? Thanks and bring on the filthy. Yeah, there have been a few people that have thought that that's the James Franco, but the dominant theory is just that, no, that's just the regular Goblin, but with the mask off. That's the the general consensus. That's not James Franco. I don't see Kevin Feige inviting James Franco to be a part of this movie. That's just me. And I say that as somebody who very much uh, am a fan of James Franco's work. I'm very much a fan of James Franco's work. I think he's an extremely talented actor. I really do. But with all the controversy surrounding him and like even his buddy James or Seth Rogen saying, I'm not going to work with James Franco anymore. I don't see anybody else inviting him in to do that. So I, I kind of think that's just Willem Dafoe's thing. And that's why we're not really talking about it, but Hey, you never know. We could all be wrong about that. Let's see what happens when the movie opens. All right. Next up dangerous D writes. Hey, John, a long running show is returning to TV. The original law and order is coming back on February 24th, 2022. Actor Jeffrey Donovan, burn notice, is joining the show. Unclear whether the original cast will be joining as well. Are you excited about this show returning? Nope. Zero. Listen, I remember watching reruns of Law & Order. I'm a sucker for these legal procedurals. Totally am. But if you're not going to bring the original cast back, I don't see the point. Then it's not renewing the show. It's just a reboot, if you will. Like CSI Vegas... They've kind of done it the smart way. They've relaunched the CSI. It was the number one show in the world for a lot of years, but they brought a couple of the key core main cast, including the main guy. They brought him back. So that is something I can watch and feel nostalgic about. But unless they're going to bring back some of the original cast of Law & Order, I mean, I know for some of them that's not possible, but unless they bring back some of those original cast, I don't see why I'd be excited for it. That's just me. That's not to say the show won't be great. I'm just saying it. I won't be watching it. All right. Dangerous D writes. Hey, John, a glitch in the HBO Max app in the iPhone slash iPad when using AirPods, the app thinks the AirPods are another streaming device and will display a bizarre overlay on the video streaming to another display. HBO says it's aware of it and it's trying to fix the bug. That sounds about right. You know, honestly, Like I I know for a fact, like when I try to, when I plug in a new device, right, that's meant to be a mic input, all of a sudden my computer just automatically thinks that's where it's supposed to be sending the audio out to as well. And I'm like, why is my computer suddenly have no volume? And I got to go back in and reset the settings. So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that an iPhone or an iPad would see like a connected device like that and maybe think it's something other than what it is. It's not difficult for them to fix. They'll fix it pretty quick, but I'm not surprised to hear about that. All right, next up. Uh, Dangerous D also writes, Hey, John, the world's first Warner Brothers hotel opens in Abu Dhabi. It has 257 rooms with three distinct themes from script to screen, artist confidential and the vault room service will be delivered by Looney Tunes characters. Warner Brothers memorabilia fill the hotel. Your next vacation. No, 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 don't get me wrong. If this was already in a place I'd be going, like if this was a hotel in Vegas, I might go and check out that hotel. I mean, it sounds very similar to like Hard Rock Hotel, right? Or even Planet Hollywood, where every room in Planet Hollywood has some kind of movie, has a movie theme. And I remember I stayed in the Pretty Woman suite once. 
And it actually had some real props from Pretty Woman. I think Hard Rock has something similar to that where they've got like music memorabilia, like real music memorabilia in each room. So this sounds along those lines. And if that hotel was in Vegas, I would give it a shot. But I'm not going to travel to Abu Dhabi just so I can stay in that hotel, though. But still, that's pretty interesting. Thanks for sharing that. All right. An anonymous viewer writes. My first memory of going to a movie uh, as more than a casual fan was seeing Minority Report at 12 years old and being aware and excited that it was from Spielberg. What was the first movie you saw as a lover or as someone aware of the filmmaking art? I couldn't tell you. No idea. I mean, I remember my first movie. My, my earliest memory is my mom showing me Star Wars. That's my earliest memory. I remember the first time me and my friend went to the movies ourselves. We went to the movies by ourselves. Let me see if I can uh, look this up here. Yeah, there it is. Like I remember it was at the Lime Ridge Mall. I believe it was the Lime Ridge Mall Theater. Might have been another mall, but uh, mom brought us to the, to the mall and then took us to the movie theater and we went in the movie theater ourselves. Me and my friend or two and while well, mom hung out at the mall till it was over and it was... I was like nine, nine or 10, I think. And it was Kenny Rogers six pack. And I think that was the first time I went into a movie uh, by myself. But what was the first one I went to when I was now an appreciator of film? Honestly, I have no idea. I, I couldn't tell you the answer to that question, but I'm glad you have that memory, man. All right, next up, Jack Wallace writes, one of five. I've been following you quite some time, and although I've heard much of what you said in your most recent Ask Me Anything about following your passions in some form or another, uh, this time it really struck a chord with me. I do leather work as a hobby. That's awesome. Uh, recently, I made some baby moccasins for baby Degnan and a couple of bags for Aaron and Tom, but have always been too afraid of failing to really jump into doing my craft as full-on business. Inspired by your story, I just signed a lease. Wow! Paid a deposit on a shop to start working out of. I'm scared as hell, but also excited. Truthfully, I've actually been terrified of failing in front of my 10-year-old son, Aiden. I don't want him to see me stumble, but I realize now that no matter the outcome, this is important to both him and I. If I succeed, then great. But if I fail, I will still have learned valuable lessons to teach my son, and he will see me pick myself back up and continue on. If I can teach and inspire him from my failures to not be afraid of making mistakes, he will grow into a better man than me uh, that can accept and conquer great challenges and all my failures will have been worth it. Well, first of all, Jack, that is completely inspiring and I love it. I love it. Listen, I've always said this. You've heard me say this before. You cannot steer a parked car. Think about that. You cannot steer a parked car. You can't get to where you're going unless you start moving. Even if you start heading in the wrong direction at some point, you can't steer and course correct unless you're at least moving, even if initially you're moving in the wrong direction. Now, I, and what it reminds me of is, again, we were just talking about Tick, Tick, Boom, about the story of the guy who wrote Rent. He spent most of his life writing his first big musical that was called Suburbia, and it failed. He spent most of his life writing that one musical and it never got off the ground. But what it did was it got him, he learned the whole process. He knows what he's doing and he learned from that mistake. And all of a sudden he made another musical. And then the one after that was rent, but rent never happened until after he failed. 
So maybe, maybe this business of yours that you're doing right out of the gate is going to be a big success. And I hope it is. But even if it's not, then it will have been a necessary step to get you to your rent the musical, right? To get you to yours. That guy had to write a a movie, a musical for most of his life, finally got a shot, didn't make it, but that was the path that took him to writing Rent. One of the most transformative, you know, inspiring, groundbreaking musicals in Broadway, one of the most successful and decorated musicals in Broadway history. Got a major motion picture made out of it, whole nine yards. But getting there, he had to go through a failure. So even if you do this and it kind of falls in its face, you're going to learn a ton of things. You're going to have opened other doors and it's going to lead you to your next thing. Too many people are afraid of that first failure or the second failure or whatever. Too many people are afraid of the failure and they stay parked thinking it's safe. If I just stay parked, I can't get into an accident. If I stay parked, yes, but you'll also never get to where you're going, go in the wrong direction. That's fine. You can turn the wheel and you can start heading in the right direction at some point, but you got to move. And I'm thrilled and envious and really happy for you, Jack, that you're taking it out of park and you're going to give it a shot. And I hope this one works, but if it doesn't, I hope your next thing works. So congrats to you, man. I think that's inspiring and good on you for doing that, dude. All right. And thanks for sharing. Next up, uh, Shuvo, good Canadian old dude writes, King Richard was one of those rare inspirational human dramas, which reminds you why you are a movie fan to begin with and waste so much time of your life watching them. And Will Smith deserves all the Oscar attention. Nice to see Aaron and her husband in it as well. Yeah, one of the big reasons, obviously, that I'm excited for King Richard, and I haven't had a chance to see it yet because I'm not going to watch it on HBO. The night it opened was the night Ann and I left for Vegas. We were out of town for the first four days of the movie. Then last night we were busy. Tonight we're also busy because we have another function we have to go to. But I'm not going to watch this on HBO Max. I'm going to watch it in theaters. One of the big reasons, obviously, is because Aaron and Tom are in it. But maybe even more importantly that I've heard it's a fantastic movie. And Will, Will Smith is getting, almost said Will Ferrell, Will Smith is getting a lot of Oscar buzz about it. And I cannot wait to watch it. I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. All right, next up. Default settings rights. Hi, John, Kimberly, and Ray, and obviously right now they're not here. Uh, Oh my God, Shang-Chi is so good. As a big fan of Hong Kong Jet Li movies, I can highly recommend Swordsman Trilogy, great. Fong Se Yuk, I'm not familiar with that one. Uh, One and two. And Once Upon in China, love that one. One through six. I think you will like these movies as well. Again, I'm not familiar with uh, Fong Se Yuk. Hold on a second. Give me a second to look that up. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. And honestly, I I don't think I've seen this one. It's almost 30 years old at this point. I don't think I've seen this one. Well, I got one I'm going to have to sign up and watch for another Jet Li film. Thanks for putting that one on my radar, man. All right. Next up, Default Settings Tweaked writes, Hi again. I recommended some Jet Li movies. Uh, I just must say that the third or final act of Fong se is a must-watch. The best cinematography in Kung Fu I've ever seen. I recommend to see the whole movie to get the whole story. Also, Iron Monkey is great. I'm not going to lie. I'm not the biggest fan of Iron Monkey. I remember when Iron Monkey, it was after Rumble in the Bronx, like after um, Rumble in the Bronx came, Jackie Chan was starting to become a North American name and Iron Monkey was going to try to capitalize on that. I'm not the biggest fan of Iron Monkey, not going to lie to you, but I am really looking forward to this one. I guess they just call it the legend. So I'm going to make sure I check that out at some point. Thanks for putting that on my radar, man. All right. Next up, Midi Man writes, hey, John. 
I recently solved the math problem. Black Widow plus What If plus Eternals minus Shang-Chi equals comic book movie fatigue. I hope I can add Spider-Man No Way Home to the plus side and solve for X. Thoughts? I'll be honest with you, Mitty. I have no idea what you mean. Black Widow plus What If plus Eternals equals comic book movie fatigue? I, I... Yeah, sorry, man. I'm not quite sure what it is you're trying to say there. Sorry about that. All right, default settings, rejected rights. Hey, John and crew, there is a slight hope I'll see Hobgoblin, or there is a slight hope I'll see Hobgoblin No Way Home, and I've already seen Mysterio in Far From Home. Uh, this might be greedy, but I'm hoping for Thomas uh, Fireheart as Puma in the future. Such a cool villain slash antihero from the past, top five. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Puma was one of those guys that started out as a villain, I think he was originally created as a villain. And then later on, you saw him fighting alongside of the heroes and the good guys. If I'm not mistaken, he was, I think he was a member of one of the big superhero teams too, at some point. But anyway, yeah, that was, I don't, I think that's a little bit of a deep cut. I don't think we're going to see Puma in this, but Hey, never know. Keep, keep your eyes open with this, uh, with the way this movie's shaping up. All right. Bojack's writes, Hi, John. In regards to acting, I've heard you say an actor is someone who portrays something that they are not, including voice acting. Does this still apply to animated movies with ethnic characters like Encanto, Coco, Moana, and Soul, or or are there exceptions? For me, it applies to animation probably more than anything else. For me. Now, look, if you're getting, like, Encanto, which I I haven't watched the movie yet, but I believe they said it's supposed to be in Colombia— then getting actors who are Colombian, it's just going to make it sound more authentic, right? If you're going to do Coco, getting Latino voice actors to actually do the voices of those characters is going to feel more authentic. But I don't care. If they get a voice actor who is not Latino, but does a perfectly great voice for the character, that, that's all I care about. Uh, so like, here's a good example. They're doing the Super Mario movie, animated movie, that Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth, uh, Chris Pratt is going to be Mario. And I believe Charlie Day, I think it's Charlie Day, is going to be Luigi. Now, I've said on my show, it might have been nice if they got actual Italians to do the voice of these iconic Italian characters. At the end of the day, I don't really care. I I mean, it's really not going to change anything. So I'm personally okay with that. I'm personally okay. It does not bother me one bit. Now, I, now, obviously, there are some people that, that that bothers, and I'm not arguing against them. If, if they're bothered by that, I'm sure they've got good reasons to feel bothered by that, and I respect that. But you're asking me how I feel about it. Me, I don't care, especially when it comes to animation. Because the actor's not really in it. They're just giving the voice to it. So, personally, I don't really care, but that's just me. All right, next up. we got Mitty Man who writes... Hey, John, uh, mark me down as being in the Campia camp regarding Dr. Strange's attitude in Spider-Man No Way Home trailers. Let's not forget he was this arrogant, snarky doctor before he learned the mystics, the mystic arts. Did you think that would turn him into a Walmart creator? Yeah. So there's been a lot of talk surrounding the two Spider-Man trailers been out. And some people are like, man, there's something off about Dr. Strange. I don't think that's the real Dr. Strange. And I'm like, have you watched Dr. Strange in the MCU so far? Because that's exactly how Doctor Strange talks, and that's exactly how Doctor Strange acts. And it's not even before he became a master of mystic arts. Look at his interactions with Tony Stark. Like, even just in Infinity War, right? He's smacking his hand, calling him douchebag, and, like, all... I mean, that's... 
That's him. So I, I agree with you, Mitty Man. That is exactly how Tony or how uh, uh, Doctor Stephen Strange would act. So that's just me. But we'll find out. We'll find out on December seventeenth. All right, Matt Fitch writes and tips in like a twenty dollar tip. Thank you, Matt, for supporting our channel on that level, man. Really appreciate that. Um, hey, John. So this weekend, I watched my niece and nephew. We watched Frozen 1 and 2. That's awesome. And then when she went to bed, me and my nephew watched The Mighty Ducks 1 and 2. Loved every minute of it. Just great movies that I didn't even have to be a kid uh, again to watch. Uh, First of all, let me talk about Frozen. I know it's not the cool thing to to be an adult and say, the Frozen movies are really good. I don't care. The Frozen movies are really good. They have great stories, really good characters with inner character dynamics that I think are great. The musical numbers are fantastic. I love the second one as well. Some big hit musical numbers that obviously some people will get tired of. And listen, I'm sure a lot of adults got sick of them because their kids wanted to watch it 30 times in a row. I, I understand that. I respect that. But Frozen 1, 2, tell you what, I don't care. I'm an adult with no kids. And I'm telling you, I think those movies are really good. I am not a Mighty Ducks guy which you think I would be being Canadian and everything about my DNA is hockey, but I'm honestly not a Mighty Ducks guy. I don't remember the original ones as fondly as most people do, but I'm in the minority. There are a lot of people, Matt, who I think will totally um, relate with what you're saying, would totally identify with what you're saying. I know a lot of friends of mine watch Mighty Ducks and they feel totally nostalgic and love That's great. Again, not me personally, but I know a lot of people that do. And I'm glad you had that experience with your nephew, man. That's great. All right. Next up. Uh, Siddharth Vader writes, what are the chances of the MCU creating three separate universes for Sony owned characters, main MCU characters and X-Men with limited crossover? I want Miles Morales and Wolverine and Avengers, but not the, T- uh, ter- t- uh, t- uh, I never pronounce this name, this word right. Ter- ter- tertiary characters, tertiary characters, uh, like Madam Web and Jubilee. Zero percent chance. Zero percent chance of them doing that. I think they should be creating. Now, first of all, the Sony characters are not going to be in the MCU. They're going. They're going back over to Sony. They're not going to be made by Marvel. They're going to be made by Sony. They're all going to be over there. I believe they should create a separate universe for X Men. There's so many X-Men characters and the MCU is already bordering on getting overcrowded, but it's not what they're going to do. They're going to put them all under one big MCU roof. I think it's what they should do, Siddharth, but it's not what they're going to do. They're going to keep them all under one big MCU roof. I I hope they change their minds, though. I really do. All right. Siddharth Vader also writes, over under 60%, uh, the next Spider-Man trailer shows multiple Spider-Men masked, possibly in Raimi and Webb costumes, but not Andrew or Toby's faces. And who wins the bets in that case? Multiple Spider-Men show up, but not necessarily the ones that we think they are. Well, I mean, that's an if built upon another if. If there's another trailer, and if it shows other Spider-Men, that it'll just be Spider-Man and Mass. So that's an if on an if on an if. That's impossible to say. But Ray and I are narrowing down our bet. So we now here's the way the bet's going to work. If there is no trailer on the 29th, no new spot on the 29th, as I believe there will be, Ray wins the bet. If there is a new spot and it does show other Spider-Men, and it doesn't have to show Toby and Andrew's faces, but as long as it shows or implies that other Spider-Men are there, then I win the bet. If there is a new spot, 
but doesn't show new Spider-Man, then we call it a tie. So no new spotter trailer, Ray wins. New trailer with showing other Spider-Man, I win. New trailer with no Spider-Man, we call it a draw. So that's the way our little uh, our little bet's going to go. All right, next up. An anonymous viewer writes, John, uh, what's the chance of all Sony's Marvel characters, particularly the Spider-Verse characters, get to play in the MCU as well at some point, characters like Spider-Woman, etc.? I'd say very, very small. Not impossible. Not impossible. Listen, at one point, it was completely impossible to ever imagine Spider-Man would be in the MCU. But then Sony ran into a bunch of troubles and there was a lot of questions going around the studio and they were suddenly had their backs against the wall and then they did something a little bit desperate that ended up being really good for them. And they did make a deal with Marvel to have it. But like before that, it was almost impossible to imagine Sony would let Spider-Man go over there. But then circumstances changed. The way things are right now, I think practically zero chance, not zero, just practically zero but that's with circumstances being as they are. Circumstances can change overnight. So let's see how they go. But I think the current plan will not allow for that. I think Sony's going to make their own stuff. Marvel will make their own stuff and they'll each kind of coexist that way. But we'll see. We'll find out. All right. Hannah writes, John, when do you think we could get an old Republic movie? And when do you think we could, we could next hear about Lucasfilm theatrical slate for their star Wars films? I personally want something force user based. Uh, the big one I want is Jedi origins. I'm not, I don't really care all that much about Jedi origins. Quite frankly, I'd rather not have a Jedi origins thing. We don't need to go back and explain the mystery of everything. We know the Jedi Order's been around for millennia. That's good enough for me. Now tell me some stories about some of those Jedis. You don't have to tell me where it started. It started when two little boys were walking down the streets of Coruscant and came across the first Kyber crystal. And I, I don't need to know that. It demystifies things personally, personally. I do know that there were plans for, for an Old Republic stuff. Benioff and Weiss, the guys behind Game of Thrones, before their creative differences with Kathy Kennedy... Um, they were going to be making uh, a series of films based on Old Republic, but then that fell apart and then it's gone. So I don't really know when we're going. Listen, everything right now about Star Wars is completely focused on Disney+. Plus. Obviously, the uh, Patty Jenkins Rogue Squadron movie got derailed. We haven't heard anything about the Taika Waititi movie, the Ryan Johnson trilogy. That's a joke. That's never going to happen. Uh, we kept, we've been hearing for years about a Kevin Feige one, but nothing about that since there's literally been nothing about a star Wars movie. So I don't know, Hannah, I hope soon though. Don't get me wrong. I love the, I love, uh, Mandalorian season one and two. I'm looking forward to book of Boba Fett. I'm looking forward to Obi-Wan. I'm looking forward to Ahsoka, but I, I want a movie. I want a star Wars movie. I want to go back into the theater and watch star Wars. So, but I don't know when it's going to happen right now, Hannah. I don't know when it's going to happen. All right, next up, uh, Glorious Porpoise writes: If McGuire and Garfield are in no way home, it'll set all of it'll sell all the tickets. However, sometimes a big flick will ca will crash the ticket apps and websites. Will they be prepared to handle this volume? We may have to physically go buy tickets in person to lock in our seats. All right, but here's the thing: that is true. Historically, whether it be one of the big Star Wars movie releases or an Endgame or something like that, tickets go on sale. Now, this is years ago. It's been years since this happened last, but tickets go on sale and Fandango and AMC and all the ticketing websites, they crash under the volume, right? Well, that was a couple of years ago. Their technology is advanced. They learn lessons from that and that shouldn't happen again. But if it does, 
The reality is the movie opens here in North America on December 17th. The tickets go on sale November 29th. If the ticket services crash, they'll get back up. They'll be down for like five or six hours and then they'll be up again. And if they crash again, well, then it'll be down for a few hours and then we'll be back up again. The point is this. There will be plenty of time to sell all the tickets online long before December 17th. So even if the things crash, you're still going to be able to buy your tickets online. But to play it safe, if you live close to a theater and the ticket site starts crashing, I had a buddy that did this friend game. Get in your car and drive to your local theater so you can go and manually get your tickets. That way you don't have to wait for the ticketing to come back online and risk that they all got sold out again, right? So you'll be able to get your tickets, but if you want to guarantee you get it for like opening night, you might want to go to your theater and pick them up there. All right, next up, we got Mark2021 who writes, if Toby and Andrew are in no way home, will they be de-aged just like Doc Ock because Toby is now in his 40s? So surely if he is coming from the same timeline as Doc Ock and also is this different version of Electro as before he had blue skin. No, they don't necessarily have to do that because look, remember, Doc Ock is coming from what, 20 years ago, right? When's Venom coming over? from the end of Spider-Man Far From Home. And then even if you look at Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, all the different Spider-Men that came in came in at a different time and from a different time. So just because Doc Ock is coming over from that one moment in time, that doesn't mean Tobey Maguire came over, came over at the exact same time. He may have come over 15 years later. Or hell, we may get uh, Peter Parker, Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker from before the events of Spider-Man 2. We might get the Spider-Man from Spider-Man 1 or Spider-Man from like 15 years after the events of Spider-Man 3. So yeah, they could all be coming from various points in time. They don't have to come from the exact same moment. Just like Venom came over at the end of Spider-Man Far From Home. That's when Venom came over. So it, they don't necessarily have to de-age them. They can have them exactly the age that they are. Or if they want them to be younger versions, then they can de-age them. But we'll have to see what they want to do. But the, the important thing here, Mark, is that the option is open to them either way. All right, next up. We got Richard, fellow Canadian, who writes, Hi, I hope you don't make fun of this topic. I won't make fun of any topic. But I was waiting to hear about the all-too-well short film Taylor Swift written directed. I was waiting to hear about the all-too-well short film Taylor Swift written directed. It has more views than most Hollywood films. Genius songwriter and storyteller, how she integrated song and film, great. Well, we'll never talk. I mean, I'm not going to make fun of it. You're asking, that's great. But we'll never talk about that here. We, we don't talk about short films made by musicians on here. And getting more views than most Hollywood films, that doesn't mean anything because it was free to just jump online and watch her short film, then you have to drive out to a movie theater, pay a ticket and go see it. So that doesn't mean anything. Um, and listen, I think Taylor Swift is a great singer. There's actually some of her songs that I really quite like. So whatever, but no, we don't, I, I haven't seen it. I'm not interested in it. We don't talk about, generally speaking, we don't talk about short film here. So certainly not short film made by musicians. So there's that, but I'm not, not making fun of you though. That's totally cool. If you're into Taylor Swift, listen, a buddy of mine, Kyle Newman actually directed one or two of Taylor Swift's videos. So I got all the respect in the world for Taylor Swift. I'm just saying I'm not interested and don't care about it. So yeah, that's just me. All right, next up. 
Dangerous D writes, Hey, John, I was rewatching Baby Driver again. Love that movie. Uh, and I thought this could remade. And I thought this could remade into a limited series for Netflix. Nah, HBO Max, etc. I really want to explore more on Baby's pension, uh, pension for music, how he got involved with being a run, a runaway driver. You mean a getaway driver and more on Baby's life story. Do you agree? No, I don't. On, on two on two fronts, I don't agree uh, for personal reasons. Uh, part number one, I want to see Baby Driver as a proper movie, not as some watered down TV thing. More importantly that I'm not interested in prequel stuff. You know me. That's not to say I don't think that there's no good prequel material out there. There is. I'm just saying, generally speaking, I don't care about, let's look at a younger version of this guy. I'd rather see stories move forward. I want to see what happened to baby and Lily James. Ah, Lily James. Um, after the events of Baby Driver. That's what I'm interested in. I'm not looking, wanting to look back, say, let's explore when he first became... I, that's... That, but you know that about me, right? Like, I'm not all that big on prequel idea stuff. So, yeah, personally, that's not something I'm interested in. I mean, maybe I'd get a little bit interested if I found out that Edgar Wright was going to direct it himself, but it doesn't sound like he's going to go back to do Baby Driver anytime soon. So that's actually not something that really interests me that much. To be honest, I'm sure there are others that would interest, and that's great. I'm just saying it's not really for me. All right. Next up, uh, Willow writes, if Movie Pass relaunches again, do you think they should do it under a different name considering just how badly the brand has been tarnished? I'm a bit skeptical about its viability considering that Cinemia also went bankrupt. This is a good question, Willow. So for those of you who don't know, the original creator of Movie Pass, not the guy who ran it into the ground, the guy who actually did a good job starting up Movie Pass, he just got it back. He just got it back. Now, I think the name of the company that owned Movie Pass when they ran into the ground, I think that company was called Helios and Matheson. I believe that was the name of the company. And they acted like a bunch of thugs and they acted like they were literally gangsters running a racket. They tried strong arming people. They tried um, and they tried embezzlement from their own customers. They tried uh, blackmail on the studios and on the um and on the movie theaters itself, they used their customers as leverage. I mean, that was just shady as crap. And I'm glad they're out of business. I never want to hope somebody goes out of business, but they were so shady. I'm so glad they're out of business. Anyway, the original guy who created Movie Pass, though, and was running it with some success before Helios and Matheson took about it, he's got it back now. And he has already said he wants to get it going again. And I'll tell you what. I believe there could be, because listen, as great as AMC A-List is, and I'm a happy AMC A-List member, as great as the Regal Unlimited plan is, and as good as Arc, uh, not Arclight, um, um, Alamo Drafts House plan is, and Cinemark's, you know, loyalty plan is, the fact of the matter is, my AMC A-List only gets me into AMC theaters. If I'm anywhere else or visiting a friend in another part of town, we want to go see a movie and there's not an AMC theater around, guess what? My card doesn't work. I think there could be a place in the market for another, for a third party theater wide membership like movie pass. It's just that it has to be done right now. You got to start then weighing out what's more important. The tarnish name. Is that more important? The tarnish on the name or the recognizability of the name. 
And and I'm not asking that as a rhetorical question. That's the question they're going to have to ask. Because the moment you say movie pass, yeah, maybe that elicits some negative feelings about failure and stuff like that. But at the same time, the moment you say movie pass, you know exactly what it is. And there's value in that recognition. So I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see how they go about navigating this. I don't know if it'll work, but I'm not going to lie to you, man. I'm going to be cheering for them. I, I hope it does work. Thanks for writing that in, Willow. All right, next up. Uh, Abraham writes, one of two. Hey, John and crew, and obviously it's just me right now. Uh, so in the No Way Home trailer, what if when Doctor Strange is saying they're coming through and I can't stop them, he's referencing to when he's doing the spell, then it goes wrong when Peter messes it up. I don't think that's the case. He seems to be in a very different place and environment, so I don't think that's the case. Uh, and they is referring to anything related to Spider-Man, including different versions of him, fingers crossed, would explain why it's his villains coming through to the MCU. Again, I don't get that impression at all. The impression, if you look around and when it's happening, and again, maybe it's a trailer misdirect, but it feels like that is something that happens later in the film. Like, the bad thing happens. He's warning Peter, we got to fix this. Third act, okay, we didn't fix it. Now it's going to hell. They're coming through and I can't stop them. And that's when the real crisis starts to happen, right? So I still think it's near the third act of the film. But you never know, Abraham. You never know. All right, next up. Uh, Justin writes, Wow. Tick, tick, boom was absolutely phenomenal. I really did enjoy it. Uh, great directorial directorial debut for Lin-Manuel Miranda and another fabulous performance from Andrew Garfield. He needs to be in more musicals. I don't know that he needs to be in more musicals. He needs to be in more movies. And he's had a couple of great smaller indie kind of art films. Like he had the eyes of Tammy Faye. He had that other one where he was like a social media guru. I can't remember the name of that one right now. Uh, but he's been doing some really good stuff. I'll just tell you, watching him in Tick, Dip, Tick, Tick, Boom, we see a side of him I never thought we'd see. So we just saw a side to him I never thought, we certainly have never seen before, and I never thought we would see. The, the degree of this guy's talent never ceases to amaze me. I think, I think Andrew Garfield's absolutely amazing, and I was really, really happy with the performance he gave in Tick, Tick, Boom. All right. Next up, we got Justin who writes, A few weeks ago, the story didn't get much traction on Variety, but I am super intrigued by the idea of a movie based off the development and construction of Disneyland. The Imagineering story on Disney Plus really shows that there is a great story to be told. Well, I think there have been several attempts. Like, wasn't Jon Favreau working on, like, a pseudo-fictional, pseudo-non-fictional Disneyland movie? Like, maybe I'm not remembering that right. Because it was a few years ago. But I feel like he was working on something along those lines. I, anyway, I could be totally wrong about that. But yeah, when you actually look back at the history of Disneyland, there's absolutely a movie to be made. Absolutely a movie to be made there. And if they do it, I would totally be down for it, Justin. All right, next up. JP writes, Hey, John, Kim and Ray. And obviously, Kim and Ray are not here right now. So excited for No Way Home. Some people may be worried about how they're going to handle the multiverse with all the characters. But let's not forget, Sony did a magnificent job with Into the Spider-Verse. We are in good hands. Well, yeah, but remember, Sony's not the one making this movie. But Kevin Feige and his team are the ones making this movie. We are also in good hands on that side. So, yeah, look. I people don't like it when I say this, but too bad. It's the truth. As far as I'm concerned, Sony has made better Spider-Man movies than Marvel has. 
It's just that simple. Period. Done. End of discussion. I really like Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home. I, I, they've done a great job with those. John Watts, the director, has done a wonderful job. I love Tom Holland playing Spider-Man, all that kind of stuff. But that said, they have never made a Spider-Man movie as good as Spider-Man 2, and they have never made a Spider-Man movie as good as Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse isn't just a great Spider-Man movie. It's not just a great animated movie. It's not just a great comic book movie. It was my number three best movie of the year, and I believe it was 2018 when it came out. I think it was 2018. I could be wrong about that. But anyway, yes, it was 2018. Like my number one film of that year was Quiet Place. My number two film of the year was Black Klansman, which is just incredible. And my number three movie was Spider-Man and the spider That's how good I think that movie is. So yes, if it's Sony making the Spider-Man movies, I would believe it's in totally good hands. But it's not them making it. It's Marvel. And obviously it's still in very good hands. So listen, Kevin Feige and his crew have earned the benefit of the doubt. Until they prove they can't do it, I think we need to assume they can, and I think this movie's going to turn out great. We'll find out. You never know. Anything can turn out crappy, but I got a lot of faith in this movie. I think it's going to be great. All right, guys, that'll do it for this installment of the companion videos. Listen, there are more questions to go, but do not worry. We'll get picked up right where we left off when we do the John Campus show tomorrow. Uh, as far as everything else, don't forget, tomorrow on the on uh, the channel, not only do we have the John Campus show, we have an open spoiler discussion of Hawkeye episodes one and two that'll happen tomorrow afternoon, late, late evening, tomorrow afternoon, late afternoon, early evening, depending on where you're at. It's going to be about four o'clock Pacific Standard Time. That's when we're going to do it. And I hope you guys will join us for that if you watch Hawkeye between now and then but for now guys that'll do it thanks a lot for joining me for this installment of the companion video remember to do the four main things everybody stay smart stay safe take care of yourselves take care of the people around you come back and join us for the john campia show in the morning but until next time guys my name's john campia bye-bye